podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to uh, the second episode of the Spurs Show this week. Uh, what we're trying to do this this season, as well as get it, giving you a normal kind of weekly show, looking at the game coming up and the game that's been. We want to do give people and and shows and ex players a bit more time, the time they deserve. So this week, uh, delighted to uh, welcome on this special show, uh, we have the author of the brilliant new book. Dave Mackay, Football's Braveheart, the authorised biography, and it's Mike Donovan. How are you, Mike? Very well, thanks, Mike. Thank, thanks for supporting it and bringing me on. Thank you for coming back on. For, for those of you that um, probably heard Mike, if you're a regular on the show, Mike's been on the show before with his brilliant book, King of White Hart Lane, Alan Gilzean. We've also had Mike on uh, the book he helped write, Unsung Hero, uh, Terry Dyson. He's also written, oh God, The Glory, Glory Lane, Spurs' Greatest Games. Uh, but this one, Mike, is certainly your largest book, 500 pages, my word. How how, how long did this book take and, and how did the idea come about and how easy was it to basically get permission from Dave Mackay's family to make this the authorised biography? Sure, well, it was a long process. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the actual writing took about a year, I guess. I mean, and it kept me occupied during lockdown, that's for sure. In um, it, um, and uh, it was uh, with a family, a wonderful family. Um, but it, it took me quite a while to get them on board. Because he'd, 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 you know, when he was alive, he'd written uh, at least one book, well, the ghost or whatever. He'd had his autobiography out there. There's been other stuff about him as well, hadn't there? So what was your kind of angle when you said to the family, no, this is what I want to do. This is why it's different. Well, I wanted it to, yeah, I just wanted it to, to do a whole picture. Because, I mean, I read that autobiography and uh, I thought there were a few gaps in it. And uh, and I just I just wanted the, the the people that knew him, yeah, uh, best to tell the story. You know, he's not here to tell it. Mm. My my main motivation, if I'm to be honest, is is the same as Alan Gilzean, and that I wanted these guys to be remembered. Yeah. You know, that it's easy today. You know, people talk about Harry Kane. They talk about whoever. You know, uh, now. And quite often, the younger supporters, I guess, and the, and the new generation forget about these guys. And they these guys made Spurs what they are today, you know, without without the double team. And if you know your history, exactly. Very, very important, I think, for Spurs fans. And, and for those of you listening that have got, uh, you just touched on, younger sons, daughters, you're taking, um, a lot of them will, will be walking to the ground going, Daddy or Mummy, why do you drag me along here? Why do you do it? And I think it's important <laughs> to know the history and thankfully with Mackay, largely to know the glory. There has been great moments as Tottenham fans along the utter shit that we've had to endure <laughs> over many, many years. And I think, I mean, Dave Mackay for me was uh, obviously Summoner's one. I was too young to see him play. But when you hear... 
Bill Nicholson being interviewed. You mentioned famous in the book, Alex Ferguson said he'd be his captain in an all-time team. You immediately realise this man, this player, is an absolute colossus for any for all the teams that he, he played for, wasn't he? Well, that was the, you know, I think that was a unique part about him. You know, you you you, you could say he started out at hearts and people rated their, their best of a player. Um, and uh, Derby, they rate him as the best of a player. I mean, I'm talking, not me, but talking about people like Roy McFarland at Derby, talking about Gordon Marshall, the only survivor of the Hearts team. I mean, Hearts hadn't won anything for 50 years nearly. And then Mackay turned up and then they won four trophies in about five years. So he kind of, he galvanised teams, you know, he kind of completely changed them. I mean, Spurs were, were struggling against relegation when he turned up. And then two years later, they go and win the double. Yeah. You know, so this is a sort of galvanising effect this guy had. I mean, he was just a fearless warrior, a leader. You know, he was incredible. I saw him all through the 60s. And he was just, I mean, he was just incredible. I mean, he's the best player Spurs have ever had, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not the only one. I mean, Jimmy Greaves says that. A lot of people say it. And uh, it kind of, these, you know... It should it should be known, you know. It should this, this thing should be out there that, that people should should appreciate this guy. And um, he he was an absolute phenomenon. And he's it's kind of you can't really overstate him. He was a complete player. But this is it because it's interesting. A complete player because a lot of people, again, a younger age, you see bits of footage and all that, and the players that played around him, the hard man, and all that. He was an incredibly skillful player which maybe a lot of people wouldn't know it unless, unless you obviously watched him play week in, week out. Incredible skill. Well, that's right. I mean, I mean, I remember Alex Ferguson at his funeral made, made that point. You know, he said, we all know how brave he, uh, Dave Mackay was, but he had so much skill. He, he's two-footed. I mean, he could, I mean, there was one, Craig Brown told me a story, the old the Scotland manager, now, um, uh, when he was playing for Hearts, he was when he was a boy. When Craig Brown was a boy, and he came, and when Mackay came on the field, he just ran on, and then without looking really from the halfway line, just volley, volleyed the ball into the into the goal, you know, without even looking, and it kind of, <laughs> and it's going, wow, you know. And I mean, every time he, he took the field at Wild Lane, you know, he used to he used to kick the ball up in the air, used to juggle it. And, you know, and and, and uh, he had this trick of uh, the coin trick, you know, with flicking it from his foot up to his knee, up to his into his lapel, <laughs> into his in corner, his jacket pocket. I mean, he was just—he had so much ability. Um, it was—it was frightening. I mean, that's you know, he, as you say, he had this hard man image, um, but he also had abundance of skill. He's probably this probably. I mean, in, in a See, so, I mean, the Spurs, I'd say he was probably their most skilled player. I mean, he kind of, as well as their biggest influence and lead, leader, he was probably their most skilled, naturally skilled player. Let's go back because there's, there's lots I want to, want to cover. And, and obviously the book, there's a forward by his son. There's a lovely forward by Dennis Law as well. But again, obviously we're going to concentrate on, on Spurs. This is a Spurs podcast, but it really does cover hearts, uh, Derby, managing Derby to the title in 1975. But we're just obviously going to focus on, on, on Spurs. Firstly, how did he get to Spurs? Because famously, originally, he didn't want to come, did he? No, that's right. I mean, he was a bit disappointed with, with Hearts for, for letting him go because he, he, he only ever wanted to play for Hearts. But um, when he found out, I think 
uh, well, it is, we, I say it in the book that uh, apparently one of you know, the directors thought, well, he had, he's had a, a couple of breaks to his foot and they thought maybe to cash in uh, while the game was good. And he, he, he wasn't best pleased, but as soon as he knew uh, that they were willing to let him go, Mm. Uh, he was he was off, and it all happened sort of pretty pretty quickly. Chelsea and Everton were also interested, weren't they? Yeah, I mean they were, but they were kind of I think Spurs kind of stole a march. Really, um, it was it's a, it's quite a good story, really, because uh, when when he was uh, he, it was a, I think Bill Nicholson had a scout up there, mm. um, and he was looking for a player, and I think Mel Charles, he was looking for Mel, you know, yeah. Mel Charles came up first, and um, he was going to go through with that, but then he got this tip off about Dave McKay, went up and saw him, and thought, "Wow, I hope Mc- Mel Charles turns us down because I really yeah. want Dave McKay." And, but he, uh, thankfully, he did. He ended up in the Woodlands, didn't he? He got him. He got his man. You know, in those days, it was just Bill Nicholson said, "I want this man." He, you know, he put the bid in and. And they, and they accepted it, and uh, it kind of. That was about thirty-two thousand. It was reported. Thirty-two thousand. I mean, it was a record for a midfielder at the time. Um, but I mean, what what a steal, you know? I mean, today's prices. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh, it's absolutely. You know, I'm trying to remember the story now with the the scout that got him. I mean, it kind of uh, they kept turning, telling him no, and then the Tommy Walker, the Sarts manager, kept turning him down and then the scout kept finding out oh he's going to be playing the next night in the reserve game or something and he he kept coming on and then then he kind of he managed to wear him down I think and then um, <laughs> I wish I could remember his name the, the scout it's in the book but yeah, it's uh, in the book and then yeah. uh, he slipped off Bill Nick said look go go for him because he's there he's there for the taking and, and you mentioned that team obviously Bill Nook came in in 58. And you're right, This season, his debut was March the 21st, 1959. And we, we were, uh, remarkably, we even with that side, quite near the bottom. It's lovely that he comes into this dressing room with obviously names that become even bigger. And they all merely went, with no chances going down, no chance we're going down. And that first game, we won 3-1. And that was the beginning then of the Blanche Flower Mackay partnership, which obviously is 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 infamous now. Yeah, absolutely, I mean it's that you know plus John White really were the fulcrum of the team. It was like a, a like a combination made in heaven, really. Spurs were so lucky with, with that regard, but you know to be fair to Bill Nicholson, he he got he went out and got him. I mean Mackay became the heartbeat really, um, and uh, I suppose Blanche Flower became the brains. And John White did everything else. I mean, it, it, and uh, and everybody played around them. And uh, I mean, it was probably that team. I would argue is probably the greatest club team that ever was. And that that particular team. Um, I mean, it's. I mean, I I was there for the season after as a supporter. My dad took me. Um, but uh, most of the team were there, and uh, they should have done the double double. You know, the second the year after that. They were, they were that good, you know. They were kind of they could have dominated for you know they could have dominated the whole. Well, they did for a couple of years, but they could, it could have been longer. You mentioned John White. I mean, he was kind of Mackay was key uh, to get John White to join the club, and also Bill Brown. Is that right? Well, yes. That's, well, it was mainly um, John White. I mean, I think they played. Well, I think yeah, they they played for Scotland together, um, and. Um, and Dave sort of said to Bill, "Look, you know, watch, watch out for this guy. I mean, he's worth getting." And uh, 
Bill wasn't too sure at first because he's, you know, John White was quite a skinny guy. That's right. He didn't even have the stamina, didn't he? And then Mackay went, "What are you talking about? He's like a cross country champion," and that kind of changed, changed it. Exactly that. I mean, yeah. I think you know, uh, <laughs> Bill sort of took it, you know, went to see him, and uh, and yeah, that was it. You know, I mean, it was just. Uh, so that period, I mean, that that was kind of well. The it's been recorded before, but you know, the glory, glory times. You know, wonderful, wonderful times. Fantastic football, um, all for the team, really. All lots of skillful players, but all playing, all you know, two legends in their own right, but all playing for the team. Yeah. What made me laugh is when Mackay came down with his uh, with his wife. He moved into Terry Hall of Lenny the Li- Lenny the Lion, <laughs> like, not Terry Hall from the specials for uh, still older. This is Lenny the Lion. Uh, yeah, Terry yeah, Hall. Yeah. He moved into his house, which I just thought was <laughs> quite a bizarre one. Uh, for even you to find that out. Well, yeah, I mean, it was just bizarre because as I said in the book, I mean, it was like it was a story linked with me really because my my mum gave birth to me. Uh, well, well, in the next bed, there was uh, Terry Hall's wife giving birth to their son. <laughs> and then all these years later, kind of uh, Dave Mackay, uh, uh, you know, sort of moves into, into his house. I mean, he, he found a little Lenny Lyon puppet around, lying around. And uh, he said, oh, should I give it give, give it to Terry Hall? And uh, Isabel, his wife, said, I, I think he, he's got enough of it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, interesting. You mentioned about the sort of need of the double double again. What, what's kind of forgotten because of that double team? The following season, his first full season, nineteen fifty nine sixty season. Again, we were going for the title, and it was sort of late, typical Tottenham, late defeats at home to Sheffield Wednesday and Chelsea cost us the title. But probably that season, the the the, the, the game where. In hindsight, you go, ah, this is what's going to happen. The incredible 5-1 win at Old Trafford. And he got his first goal that day as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, well, this is, I mean, what Cliff Jones told me, you know, uh, was saying that, I mean, he absolutely, it's, it's, it's hard to, as I said to you earlier, it's hard to kind of overestimate the, the actual f- effects he had on that team. And, uh, you know, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, a, you know, as prolific goal scorer, but he scored goals. I mean, he scored goals. He, he defended, he attacked, he, you know, he, he had long throws. He was fearless. He was, he, he just can, could do everything. And then, and he did that right from the off, you know, and, and, and that you say the next season, that was kind of, they went close. Uh, and, um, and then the next season, you know, well, we all know what happened there, you know. Mm. Yeah, well, let's go to a very quick break. When we come back, we're obviously going to talk about the iconic season, uh, the awful injuries we had, and then almost like the second coming, the 67 uh, team as well. Back in a couple of minutes. And we're back from the break. Just to remind you, uh, for premium content, including a daily new show uh if, if you're one of these people that doesn't have time to collate what's going on we provide all this service for you we tell you what's going on every single day in and around Tottenham ex-player interviews original documentary series on Spurs go to patreon.com slash Spurs show uh by signing up it really helps this it costs like I think it's like two quid a month and it really, really helps us provide these shows for free so please support us patreon.com slash Spurs show don't forget now you can sign up and get a Spurs show season 
season ticket, which means you can come to all our incredible monthly events. We do these intimate events with uh, ex-players uh, in N17 and W1. Uh, again, really, really worth it. Go to season.spurshow.net. And if you're on social media, please follow us on our Facebook page, Twitter and Instagram and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, well, look, we've, we've, we've got to talk about, I mean, obviously we've, we've covered many, many shows talking about the double, but uh, it, it, it's very, very important. We, we've talked about the midfield, Mackay, uh, White um, and Blanchflower. The other player that one could argue he kind of really brought alive was, was Cliff Jones. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, he was my favorite. Jimmy Green's my favorite, but Jim- Cliff Jones is my second. And he was just incredible. I mean, he, he um, was so brave, so fast. I mean, he had such great ball control. It was like the ball was glued to his feet, and he sort of he ran like like Ryan Giggs used to run. You know, like glide glided across the turf. He used to do these diagonal runs, and then he used. To, and for his and he was he wasn't very big, but he he used to really get up high for some headers and uh, really very very brave, you know. It, um, and he scored loads of goals. I mean, he kind of for a winger. I mean, a phenomenal goal record. Um, and he was so exciting to watch. I mean, it's you know it, you know it, you can it's rose tinted spectacles maybe, but I kind of. Uh, those those experiences will be with me for life. You know, just watching him run down the wing or go diagonally across field, you know, and, and the excitement, you know, it just, you know, as a, as a young, young lad, you know, couldn't be beaten. And he was, he was definitely, if you're going to name the fourth crucial member of the team, I think you'd, you'd have to say Cliff Jones. Mm. What's also interesting in the book, uh, and again, we, we, we've I've done this series in the uh, postseason called Top 10 Tottenham, and Julie Welsh talked about the European Cup Winners' Cup, and that kind of was... The, the pinnacle of that team. You say in the book that Mackay knew this as well. He, he Even after that European Cup Winners' Cup, he knew that was an end of an era. And uh, he was right, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I mean, it, I mean, that, I mean that, that was a cruel thing for him, really, missing the cup final. I mean, I know Isabel told me how, how gutted he, she was uh, when he told her the news. I mean, he, he kind of... Um, he, he basically... It was through him they got to the final, really, and then then he got a, a groin injury. It wasn't a serious injury, but Bill Nicholson always trusted his players to give him an honest answer, and uh, he said, "Well, I, you know, I, I, I can't. I, I better not play, you know." And um, and then and then uh, and then then yeah, so yeah, he, he you know he cheered up afterwards, but he kind of, as you say, he, he knew really kind of the golden period had ended. It was time, you know. I mean, like every team, I think you, I suppose good teams only last two or three years, you know. I mean, it's all about kind of who you replace them with. And uh, I mean, it's uh, in in many ways to the rest of the 60s, they sort of they under no, that's just hard, hard to say they underperformed, but they should have won more trophies. I mean, uh, the, 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 the replacements were pretty good, um, but that actual. That period where I mean it was hit, they were hit by three major major blows in that period that wrecked the team, and that was Dave Mackay breaking his leg uh, uh, in the European Cup Winners' Cup defence at, at Old Trafford when uh, Noel Campbell uh, 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 came in on him, and uh, he ended up writhing on the floor, and uh, 
and then um, and then it was Blanche Flower retired, and then in the the, the July, um, poor John White was struck by lightning on Cruise Hill Golf Course and died. You know, and yeah. and then that would t- rip the heart out of the team because they were the three. As I said earlier, the fulcrum of the team that mm. ripped the heart out of them. You, you, you've already mentioned there that that first leg break at Old Trafford, which people say you know was was horrific. I think he said in the book with this one, he he, he didn't want to be stretched off, even though he broke his leg. He still had this brave heart thing that he insisted on, on hopping off the pitch despite this this awful awful leg break. How long was he out for? Oh, let's have a think. Um, it was well he. He did the leg break in December '63. That was, um, and then he came back the beginning beginning of the following season in the September. And then he was having a reserve game. Was it against Swindon or uh, Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. Sorry, Shrewsbury yeah. Town, and a defender called Peter Dolby. It was. I mean, I spoke to Les Allen about it. Actually, uh, he was he played and got four goals that day. I think. Um, and uh, he he told me that uh, he, they knew it had bro- broken straight away. I don't, you know, I, I don't think it was, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I don't think it was anything malicious particularly. And this was literally his first game back. This was his first game after recovering. He had, um, he'd had a couple of other warm-up games, but this was right. about the third game. He was ready, he basically he was ready for the first team now, yeah. you know. Getting through that game, and he would have gone gone back in the first team the following week. Yeah, I mean, mo- for you know, most kind of lesser players, that would be it. That would be it. You, you, you know, especially then when they, we didn't have the medical technology we have now and stuff. Just to go, you've had two leg breaks. You mentioned at Hearts breaking his foot a couple of times. He used to get a lot of injuries and incredible recovery time. Uh, as I said, for most players, that, that that would be it, wouldn't it? Incredible. Well, I mean, I must uh, just refer, refer back fractionally, but uh, after. He had even before these broken legs, he fractured his skull um, when he they were playing. I think it's European Cup when they got to the semi-finals in 61-62, and uh, I think it was the second round. I can't remember which round. It was against Feyenoord, and uh, um, he went up for a, a header with this this uh, the Dutch defender, and uh, he ended up on the ground, and there was blood seeping from his ear. And Cliff Jones told me the story. He said he looked at it and 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 it, it fractured his skull. Anyway, he went off. They he went off, and then they, they thought, well, that's the end of Mackay for the you know. And uh, and then Cliff Jones heard this roar from the crowd, and he turned round, and there's Mackay on the touchline coming back on again. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's kind of no no protocols in those days, really. But yeah. I mean, he fainted it back in the dress room and was whisked off to hospital but you know I mean he's had this Braveheart thing you know kind of he was such a winner he you know he he refused to give in on anything and uh, that sort of reflected in in that moment but anyway that's why broken legs (laughs) yeah I mean that's when when then then he's he's, you know know, the the sort sort of second third comeback almost with a different side, Bill Nick rebuilt the side to 67. An extraordinary phantom sending off in 67 against Bristol City when uh, I think the player was Quigley for Bristol City. That's right. And um, t- tell us that story because that's quite a bizarre one as well, isn't it? Well, that, yeah, that was quite funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, because he, he was very proud of the fact he'd never been booked and he was never booked in his professional career, but. 
or sent off. And uh, oh no, it might have been booked once or yeah, twice. Yeah, sent off. And uh, yeah, basically, um, quickly just just it, it was a, the, the ball had gone out out of play, and um, quickly picked the ball up and just threw it in Mackay's face. You know, from close range for no no reason. So so Dave Mackay clocked him. <laughs> and uh and uh and then the, the referee pointed to the dressing room to Mackay. And then uh Mackay, I there was a sort of delay, and then Mackay kind of like looked over at Quigley, and uh Quigley was a bit sheepish and sort of like shuffled up and, and confessed what he'd done. And uh <laughs> and so kind of and it all died away. So he kind of you know, he had, he was actually the referee had actually pointed to the dressing room. Yeah, he talked him out of it. He basically talked him out of it. He said, No, he threw the ball in my face, I retaliated, blah blah blah. And like it was like, oh, okay, fine. I mean it's just utterly yeah, bizarre. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean you get do it this these these days, but I kind of he you know, Quigley was kind of sheep very sheepish apparently and kind of like, you know, was very uh you know, uh, a bit, bit embarrassed by it, or probably a bit intimidated by yeah. Mackay, really, you know. But in the same cup run, 67, he also smacked fellow player Cyril Knowles in the quarterfinal, uh, you, 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 you write in the book, when obviously he wasn't happy what Knowles was doing defending-wise, and he lost it and gave Cyril a bit of a slap as well. So he could dish it out to his own players. Well, that 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 is kind of... I mean, you know, he, he had standards and... <laughs> He didn't normally, I mean, that wasn't his normal, normal way, really. I mean, he, the way he he led by example in many ways. You know, I mean, he kind of one of these fist clenching, let's let's go, you know. And uh, yeah. but if if somebody was not, not giving everything, because I think that the other this is why he inspired all his teammates because they they were I suppose they were like a bit intimidated by they got you know with with him on the team exuding all this this self-confidence and and you know will to win and you know and like you know if he caught them out not giving everything you know then they knew knew what they were going to get you know and uh, probably Cyril Knowles <laughs> probably half expected it you know but it wasn't also just you know his, his fellow teammates and whatever it, it, he could put fear in the opposition you know famously the cup final the Cockney cup final against Chelsea and a lot of Tottenham players said the game was won by Dave Mackay in the tunnel before the game. Yeah, well, he kind of, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, it, this is what was going on earlier about how when he came out, he, he say he, he jutted out his, his chest, you know, and he kind of, yeah, he had this look, you know, he, he just convinced, you know, he sort of let people just looked at him and shriveled, you know, I mean, it, it kind of, it was, it's hard to explain, it sounds ridiculous in a way, but, he kind of had this intimidation thing, you know, mm. but he, he just his aura, you know. It's, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's, it's like he's, he had this aura about him, and he kind of. And I think sort of Chelsea had uh, got involved in a bit of a, a row over cup final payments or bond bonuses or something, and then they were sort of slightly kind of, and then they'd lost Peter Osgood as well because he was injured, and they and they and and Tommy Doc and Tommy Doherty kind of. Uh, made a, like a what Bill Nicholson felt was a, a tactical mistake by um, he changed his tactics. Uh, they'd, they'd beaten Spurs in the, in the league early in the season, but for the final, he changed his tactics to a flat back four. He, that's right. He was playing. He was playing uh, with a sweeper 
and the sweeper yeah. really did a job on Gilzine. Uh, but we heard a story, and I can't remember which Spurs show it was. We had a great story. There was a some sort of charity, some kind of pre-cup final dinner, and Doherty was on the table, Bill Nick with players and all that, and Doherty apparently just told Bill Nick what his team was going to be before the game, or, or, or Bill Nick overheard him telling someone what he was going to do, and apparently Bill Nick's ears pricked up, like, oh, I mean, just wouldn't get that nowadays. Of, of, of that going on and hearing what that team was going was going to be but I mean again it's something I'm trying to sort of explain how big it was for Dave Mackay to go up six years later to to lift that FA Cup after the horrific injuries he had in a brand new Tottenham side what that yeah. what that felt that day for, for Tottenham fans no absolutely I mean it, it's just a fairy tale isn't it it's one of these fairy tale stories you know it's uh and it kind of I know I spoke to Jimmy Robertson who, who scored one of the goals that day. Mm. And uh I think think Dave Dave enjoyed the celebrations afterwards, that's for sure. And I think I think Jimmy put him to bed, I think. It was a kind of yeah, and nobody you know, when he oh, there's a picture, famous well, picture I noticed uh, when Mackay well, I was there actually at the game and uh when he he got he hugged he just hugged the trophy and give it gave it a kiss, you know. And who's gonna begrudge Dave Mackay, that moment, you know, he said it was, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it was like the supreme moment in his career for him. Because mm. he was the way he'd come back from the abyss, really, and uh, and he, he he won the cup, which was 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 some a lot more important those days than it was it is now. Um, and uh, yeah, phenom- absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, but, but aged around thirty four, he then kind of thought about quitting. And presumably told Bill Nick that he was quitting, that was the end. I mean, did Bill Nick try to convince or did Bill Nick think, you know what, he's getting to that age now that if if a move came in for him, obviously famously, Brian Clough of all people really, really went out his way to get him at Derby, who were then in the old second division. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it was... Um... You know, well, we came to know Clough, but then he was going kind to of wet behind here as manager, really. Nobody really knew he hadn't done anything special. Um, he, I think he was at Hartlepool before that, and then he kind of he got the job at Derby, and uh, he was just building the team. And, he, and yeah, and then Mackay, and Mackay, and Mackay was kind of, himself was thinking that he didn't know, he thought that was it, basically. Uh, he thought he, he wasn't playing his best. Obviously, the injuries must have taken a toll, and he was, and he, he didn't want to, you know, appear to be below his best. And uh, and Bill Nicholson um, set up a, a deal with 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 Hearts, his old club, to take him back as a player. He was going to. The idea was for him to become a player and then take over as manager. And then uh, it was sort of all ongoing and. Uh, then uh, Clough phoned the, the family home, uh, the, the Mackay family home, and, and Dave was up in uh, Edinburgh talking to, to Hearts. And uh, this guy on the phone said, uh, can I speak to Dave? He says, no, he's not around. Isabel told him, no, he's not around at the moment. And uh, uh, he says, he's in Scotland. Uh, and it, I, and it, uh, Isabel said, who's that? And he said, oh, I can't tell you. And... Uh, and then he got kind of this guy phone back several times, and of course we know who it was. <laughs> and Isabel wouldn't give him his wouldn't give wouldn't, wouldn't give him the, the number for where Dave was, you know. And uh, when Dave got back, he said, "Oh, that was bright," you know. Found out 
and then Brian Clough turned up at the uh, training ground. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's it's quite a famous story. And uh, and so Bill Nicholson, who said, oh, he's on his way to Hearts. Then he said, oh, well, I'll, I'll wait, you know, today to finish training and I'll uh, I'll speak to him. He said, well, you know, good luck or whatever. And uh, and, and then he, Dave was told, told Clough that was it. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'm going to back to Hearts. And uh, and then, then he... Uh, then he kind of, you know, the gift of the gab he always had, you know, talked him round, gave him a good offer. And he said, yeah, well, why not? He says, he said, I mean, I think the, the main clincher was uh, that he he wanted to play him as a sweeper. And because Mackay was worried his legs had gone. Uh, but Mackay uh, wanted to play him as a sweeper. And he felt, well, if he was a sweeper... You know, he wouldn't need to run around. He could get get the younger guys to do his running for him, and he could just point them in the right direction. And uh, I mean, they had people like Roy McFarlane, John McGovern, good players. You know, good but good good young players, and they learned. I mean, so much off of off of him. And I mean, in the end, when he did join, they won. They won. They, he captained them to the league title. And Clough said it was the best signing ever made, and and he won the Football of the Year at the end of it. You know, incredible. And that was, incredible. That you know, age. After he, Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. he, he, everywhere he went, he won trophies, you know. But his manager, I mean, it's really weird, though, looking at the book again, because obviously he ended up famously managing Derby to the league title in 1975. Was there, and it wasn't mentioned, but was there, and obviously Tottenham were in absolute doldrums around 75 this era. Was there any uh, talk, conversations with him coming back to manage Tottenham? Because bizarrely, he went to Kuwait for eight years after Derby. Obviously, the money must have been must have been really, really good. Was there any rumours about him, Tottenham coming in for him to manage the club? Well, there was a kind of, I think, I'm kind of trying to remember now, the, 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 it was, I think there was, he. I, I think he would, He was waiting for the phone to ring, I think. Really? From Spurs. I think he, he wanted it. I mean, because at the time, at the time, he he said that um, he wanted, you know, but he didn't. He wanted to kind of maybe move up to be Bill's assistant. This is in '68 when he was about to go, and uh, but he didn't want to upset the apple cart because Eddie Bailey was already Bill's assistant, and so he felt he didn't want to kind of upset. So he, and it, but he, he wanted. He was waiting for the phone to ring for, from Spurs, um, but it never, it never, it never, never came, and. Uh, he just he just got on with it, you know. And you say, as you say, they could they could have done with him, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. God, I imagine him in the dressing room with that team, and you know, getting them going, you know. Well, look, Mike. We, I mean, we can carry on. When, I mean, as I said, there's the Derby. There's loads of other stuff. It, it's a wonderful book. Dave Mackay, the authorized biography, Football's Brave Heart, published by Pitch Publishing. It's available now. It, it, it honestly, it's. Whether you, if you remembered Mackay, it's a must read. If you don't remember Mackay, but you want to hear about arguably the greatest ever player to put on the Lily White shirt, go and get the book. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine. It, it's a big one. It's uh, well, we're now, and there's still this time in the summer. Uh, hopefully, some of you might be going away. A lovely time to sit wherever you are and delve, or even delve, immerse yourself in that book it, it, it's really really worth it Mike thank you so much for coming on again uh, good luck are you doing any signings Any anything people should know about or anywhere the, a good place for people to get the book for you does it make any difference where they buy it yeah um, well it's you know the usual thing about all good bookshops and uh, online Amazon uh, 
it's on pitch publish as you said and they've got a they've got a link um i'm been uh, it's it's there's no signings at the moment i'm hoping i mean this is up in the air i don't know whether i should say anything but i'm hoping to get uh, get the book into into this <laughs> First shop, whether yeah. that happens or not, I don't know. Yeah. But I'm hoping that. And I've already had a lot of support from people like Steve Perryman, Pat Jennings, Cliff Jones, and I think they would all turn up for it. And uh, and they've they've been tremendously supportive. It's it's the short answer is no, there isn't actually anything done. I mean, I've been doing promotion. I went on Ray Talk Sport yesterday, and oh nice. And I'm going on BBC Derby Radio. Um, in a couple of weeks, I think. And uh, anyway, we're, we're getting get, we're getting there. It's just really it's just it's we're building up to it. And uh, I mean, it's so much. I mean, we could talk forever about this guy. This is why it's five hundred pages. It kind yeah. of. Uh, <laughs> is it, I mean, it's the Alex Ferguson of Kuwait. You know, when he went over there. I mean, people don't even talk about that that kind yeah. of time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mike. Uh, thank you so much for listening at home or wherever you are. We'll be back next week. Until then, come on, you Spurs. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.